I tell you, when you become a dad, it, it really does change a lot of things, doesn't it? Um, I mean, it changes your sleep habits, of course. Uh, but one of the things that I also noticed was it, it changed my vocabulary. And, and I don't mean that some, like, it wasn't like I always like had a bad vocabulary. Some of you guys are like, did you used to cuss Mr. Pennington? No, I'm not saying that. But, but what happens when you have kids suddenly, Michelle, no, I don't. Okay. But what happens when you have kids is suddenly like words take on new meaning and you're a little more cautious. And so maybe you can relate to me and I'm not, this is no commentary on like what you should or shouldn't say in your family. Okay. I'm just saying this is how our family did it. So with Carissa and Justin, you didn't say the word stupid in our house, you know, you didn't say, thank you. You don't say the word stupid because you know, it's like, well, that's so stupid. And they would start using it in ways that we were like, I don't know if that's so good. Again, I'm not saying that's a wrong word. Uh, we use it all the time now. Um, the other word was idiot. We didn't let them use the word idiot because um, I, I didn't want my kids, you know, we're, we're walking along and like, what's up with that idiot? Why did they drive like that? It's like, no, I don't want my kids to talk like that. So, so we were cautious. Another word that, that we were careful with was hate. Hate, because it's, it's such a, a strong, ugly word. And so um, last thing I wanted our kids to do is, you know, Cassie puts out this nice meal and have our kids be like, I hate these vegetables. Um, or I hate this food, or I hate that person. It's like we we were careful with that, and, and again, we've loosened up a little bit with with the words that we allow our kids to use now. But but hate is is really an intense hostility or aversion, usually derived from fear or anger. It's extreme dislike. It's it's a word that's actually tossed around quite a bit now in our culture, isn't it? Uh, where there's a lot of different opinions on how the government should operate and, and how the government is operating. Um, opinions on how life should be lived. Opinions on morality, lifestyle. And so, so this word hate, this intense hostility, this extreme dislike, suddenly it's not just about things. It becomes intensely personal. It becomes attacks directed at people made in the image of God. Amazing. Jesus came to overcome hatred with sacrificial love. He came to bring reconciliation and restore relationship among people, but ultimately between people and God. You would think that a message of loving truth displayed humbly and sacrificially would soften the hardest hearts. That wasn't the case. Jesus, the sinless servant, was the most despised and hated man. Why? Because Jesus' love brought the truth of God that directly confronts every human being's desire to live for themselves in their own kingdoms. You see, Jesus' life and his teaching reveals the depths of our sinfulness and our selfishness and in our flesh, we hate it. We hate it. That's the best word to describe it. Yet, in love and kindness, God has opened eyes to see the beauty of the truth and to respond to his invitation to be forgiven and restored through Christ Jesus so that we no longer hate Jesus and his truth, but rather we find it life-giving and we love him and all that he is, and all his truth. 
But here's the thing. If you're a Christian who is becoming more and more like Jesus, bringing His grace and His truth to those around you, you too are hated by a world that does not understand the truth of God. You're hated. This morning we're going to be in John chapter 15. You turn in your Bibles there to John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 18. We're actually going to go into chapter 16. I want you to remember we're in the upper room right now when Jesus is talking to his disciples. These are his last hours before he's going to be crucified on a cross. And I want you to think about this. Jesus is looking into each of these disciples' eyes as he shares these words to them. Let's look at the passage together. Starting in verse 18, John chapter 15, verses are projected behind me. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written on their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, who I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father... He will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness about me because you've been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we unpack these verses. Heavenly Father, we we come before you. And um, Father, this is a very sobering text. Um, God, I want to carefully explain your words in ways that are helpful and ways that are appropriate. Oh, Father, please help. Father, thank you, though, that you sent a a helper, the Spirit, who will testify to the truth. And so, Father, there's my hope. My hope is you and in your helper who is going to testify to Jesus, the Savior. So, Father, please meet us. Please minister all the ways that you want to minister to us today. pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, it's amazing. It's, It's so easy to believe the lie, isn't it, that if God loves me, I won't suffer. Man, if if I follow Jesus, life is going to work out just right. 
But yet here Jesus plainly tells us, if you abide with me, if you remain in my love, you will be hated. You will be hated. We're going to spend a lot of time on our first point this morning, so please don't freak out when you're like, man, he's only in point one, and he's got two more to go, okay? So we're going to spend a lot more time on this. But, but point number one this morning is, you are hated just as Jesus is hated. You are hated. Now, it's kind of an interesting you know, point, isn't it? It's like, so, Johnny, what did you learn in church today? I'm hated. It's like, whoa. But man, Jesus is so honest with us. Here's the reality. You are hated just as Jesus is hated. Look at verse 18. It says, if the world hates you, and, and the way it's written here in the original language, it's, it's more, it's like, if the world hates you, parentheses, which it will, this is the case. Just know this. It hated me before it hated you. Know this. The world will hate you. I've, Benjamin Franklin once said that there are two things that are certain in life. Death and taxes. If you're a Christian, though, it's a longer list than just those two things. Death and taxes are definitely certain. But we have a lot of promises of God that are very certain for us. So praise God that we have those. But there's one, one of those promises is that you will be hated. <laughs> wow. That's not one of the promises that I traditionally go to. <laughs> I'm looking for comfort and hope. But we will be hated just as Jesus is hated. And it says that we're going to be hated by the world. Now, who is this world? This, it's the cosmos is what it's written here. The world is really a sinful system of thinking. It's, it's a way of living where the truth about God is exchanged for lies. Where fleshly desires and lusts of the heart are what rule supreme. Where honor is given to people over God. So the term world is, is really about a posture of the heart, a way of approaching life. So summary would be the world would be those who live for themselves and their kingdoms as opposed to living for God and his kingdom. That's who's going to hate Jesus. That's who's going to hate his followers. So Jesus says that the world's going to hate you because you're different from them. Look at verse 19. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. See, if, if you were just like the world and embrace this type of thinking and living, man, they would open arms, open arms. But, but Jesus is saying, look, you're different now. You don't belong to this world anymore. You're part of a new kingdom, a heavenly kingdom. And as a result, you have a whole new way about thinking and living that's so radically different from the world. You see, when Christ changes us, we suddenly now embrace the truths of God rather than exchanging the truth of God for a lie. We now, as this heavenly citizen have new desires. We long to live for God and his glory. And we don't want to be controlled by our fleshly desires and the lusts of our heart. And when people see that, they're angered by it. Because it flies in the face of what they're living for. It's important. Jesus goes, he says, 
want you to remember, though, I chose you out of the world. You know, we didn't become this way. We didn't become these citizens of heaven with this new way of thinking and living with a new heart that beats after God's because we were so morally superior that we just, we figured it out. And so we've learned how to live life. We didn't rise above this world below because there was something so special in us. He says, it's by grace that you've been saved. And I brought you back with the riches of my amazing grace and my relentless love. And so you have nothing to boast in but me. But because of me, you look really strange and weird to the world around you. And your life, which now seeks to shine the light and truth of Jesus, is going to stand in stark contrast to their lives. And when you live that way, it's going to bring about a condemnation to them. There's going to be a judgment just by the way you live. And they're going to hate you for that. You're going to be hated. He goes on to tell us in verses 20 through 25, the reason that the world hates us is because you're different than the world and because the world hates Jesus. Have you ever heard somebody say to you, well, hopefully not now, but like when you were dating, it was, it was that, that moment where they defined the relationship with you. And they said, it's not you, it's me. It's like, whatever, whatever. No, but it's, it's not you, it's me. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Look, don't take this personally. It's not you. It really is me. That's why you're hated. You see, the way people respond to Jesus will be the same way that people respond to us. It says, look, some people absolutely despised and hated him. He says, some people actually um, accepted my word. Some of them were, were willing to follow for a period of time. It was people in this world who had this system of thinking, but were kind of intrigued. And so they did follow along. So, so yes, the hatred can come in this spectrum. Some are going to be adamantly opposed. Some are going to be a little indifferent. Some might even say, oh, I'm kind of curious. Let me check it out. But just the way Jesus was treated is the way we will be treated. We get so surprised and confused and even frustrated when, when people get upset with the ways of God. Or we think, how could they ever think this way? Why would they ever do this? It's like, do you know why? Because that's what's normal. In our natural fleshly state, they're doing exactly what nor- that people would do. And we would be the exact same way if Jesus didn't come in and rescue us and change us. We shouldn't be so surprised when people reject God and his truth. We shouldn't expect people to embrace God's ways if they don't know God. And that's what Jesus is saying here is they don't. They don't know the Father. Therefore, they don't know me. And therefore, they reject this. You see, the world will never see the world, that system of thinking, will never see the good news of Jesus as good news. John explains this all throughout the book of John. He says in John chapter 3, verse 19, the light has come into the world and people loved Darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. You see, the world, which we were a part of, loves 
the dark. And when you shine a light on it, it's like, ah, don't do that. And, and let's just be honest. So Jesus has claimed to be the only way, the only truth, the only life. That is a pretty exclusive, narrow-minded thing, isn't it? It is. There's no other way. We live in a world that says, oh, but if you can just be tolerant of everybody else, that's great. Jesus says, no. There is only one way, and it is me. It's exclusive. And people hate that. And because we're followers of Jesus and being conformed to the image of Jesus, why would you expect to be treated any differently than Jesus? Now, in verses 22 through 24, we can get a little confused because it's like, okay, so Jesus says, I came. And they wouldn't be without sin, but now that I've come, they're with sin. And it's like, wait a minute. Okay, we've read our Bible, Jesus. We know that, like, they had sin, right? Here's what Jesus is saying. It's not that they, when they walked on earth and they heard him teach and they saw his miracles that they didn't have sin beforehand. What he's saying is that the world has no excuse now. He came and he proved who he was. His life and his miracles were absolutely undeniable. And so now the world is uniquely accountable for rejecting this undeniable truth of God, which is in Jesus Christ. I love in Expositor's Commentary... He says it this way. By his life and his words, Jesus rebukes human sin and condemns it. He uncovers the inner corruption and the hypocrisy of men, and they react violently to the disclosure. See, Jesus strips away all excuses and exposes their selfishness and their rebellion against God. You see, when Jesus came to earth and lived among men, he peeled back the layers and showed the depths of our depravity, the ugliness inside us all. And when that light shines, apart from a work of God, seeing that as a good thing, we respond violently to it. We run away from it. We get angered by it. That's the way the world responds to Jesus. And that's the way, if we are becoming more like Jesus, we'll be treated as well. It gets even crazier. Look at verse 25. He says, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. There's, there's two psalms that, that that little short piece can come from where it says, they hated me without cause believe it's actually a quotation from Psalm 69, verse 4, from David. He poems this psalm, and he says, he's, he's struggling, talking about all his enemies around him, and he says, more in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Hate me without cause. David's saying, what did I ever do to you to make you hate me so much? If that was true for David, how much more? For the sinless son of man. What did Jesus do to deserve this kind of hatred? I mean, he loved. He healed. He spoke truth. He came to give his life away to save. And yet he was despised for reaching out and loving 
the broken, the sick, and the rejected. You see, because a world living for itself and its kingdom isn't going to joyfully embrace this message that Jesus brings. Repent and believe in me. And if you don't, you will be cast away eternally. You see, they hated Jesus' message. They hated his message. And Jesus says, look, you are not greater than your master. And when you bring this message, you too will be hated. Now, you might think, okay, what kind of persecution and hate do I really experience? You know, here in the United States, we, we really do receive a lot of blessings. I know, yes, it's, it's becoming more... Um, I can't think of the right word. It's, it's more hostile, I guess. But, but, you know, it really can take on a lot of faces. I mean, it could be just subtle ways that, that because you are seeking to live like Jesus, stand for the truth of Jesus, that you are persecuted. It could be just being made fun of for your faith. I remember uh, before Cassie and I got married, I was working at biotech company over the summer. So I was still in college and I would go there every summer and they said, oh, you know, you're getting married. That's exciting. And, um, and they're like, well, you guys live together, right? Like, no, I don't. Now, and here's where I, I wanted to be a witness. And I said, you know, because of my faith in Jesus, it changes the way I view sexuality and relationships. And they're like, are you serious? Come on, get with the times. And they would totally make fun of me. They're like, so where are you going for your honeymoon? You going to the Virgin Islands? You know, it's like making all kinds of comments to me about it. And it's like, why? Because I was, I was trying to honor God with my life. Maybe it's going to be subtle jabs, little, little statements. Um, you're so narrow-minded. Man, I can't believe you would buy into all this stuff. That you would think Jesus is the only way. So what about all these other people? Like, you don't care about them? Maybe, maybe because you, you stay away from gossip and slander in the workplace or in the school. They might make comments to you. Like, you think you're so much better than everybody, don't you? It's like, oh, I didn't say anything. I just... Just remove myself from the conversation. But yet there's this, this judgment that's put on you that says, oh, well, because you're a Christian, you don't engage in this because you think you're so much better than us, don't you? Um, maybe, maybe you will be hated by, by the cold shoulder. That, that you're treated like you've got some kind of weird disease, and so they just kind of avoid you. Which in some ways that might be easier because you're not getting the direct slams right at you. But, I mean, it, but then it could be very nasty. I mean, it could be verbal attacks. It could be statements like, you're such a bigot. I can't believe the way that you view these things. Um, what about people that are different than you? And you might not have ever expressed any hatred. You might have just taken a stance. And yet, all these sinful wrong motives are put on you by the world, claiming that you're a hateful, spiteful person. Now, unfortunately, there are people who claim to be Christians that do respond with hateful, spiteful ways. But that's not a reflection of God. That's not the way God has intended it to be. It could come in a lot of different ways for you. But here's the truth. You will be hated just as Jesus is hated. Interesting, here in this passage, the world that Jesus is referring to isn't just those without religion. It's not just those pagans Jesus includes the religious leaders. See, in verse 25, it says, the word that was written in their law. 
must be fulfilled. Their law is referring to the Jewish religious leaders. Now, he's using the term a little loosely because Psalms is, is not part of like the law, the Pentateuch. He's just saying the Old Testament. This word must be fulfilled. See, there's this irony. The religious leaders, the ones who are keepers of the law, who to, are to know the truth of God, are actually the very ones who fulfill the prophetic words. They're the ones who hate him. Again, because why? Because they're living for their kingdom and not the kingdom of God. Now, here in the United States, we're seeing churches become like the world in different ways, in different ways. It could be in their stances on manhood and womanhood. It could be on their stances about the Bible. Is this truly the inspired word of God? Well, I mean, it's just good truth. It's just the good principles, but it's not really completely accurate. There are churches that would be in the, the Christian circles that are beginning to say that. Maybe, maybe the word of God doesn't really speak to today. Like a lot of things don't apply today or they didn't talk about these things. So we can't really take all of it for today. There are denominations that have completely split over controversial topics such as women in, as pastors or God's design for sexuality and God's design for marriage. You see, there are the religious that still live for their own kingdom. Unfortunately, and it's not just those standing for, for wrong doctrine, that they're letting the doctrine of God slip. There can be churches that hold on to orthodox truth, but yet fail to bring the love and compassion of Christ with it. And so, so they too are living for their kingdom because that's not a reflection of the kingdom of God. And so when you see, I mean, probably one of the most common, you would Westboro Baptist, right? You hear of the way that they respond and they say, this is the truth of God. And therefore, I tell you that when, when statements of hatred, slander, contempt against those who Jesus came to die for, that is not of God. That is not of God. And here's the scariest and saddest is that what can creep into the church is even letting go of the gospel. You see, there are churches that are wavering on the gospel that will say, you know what? Jesus died on the cross and so everybody goes to heaven. It was for everybody. Or here's why God came for you so that you can have your best life now. You can have this earthly prosperous life Jesus says, you know what? You're going to be hated. You might die for my namesake. It's not the same gospel. As, as we see people drift from the truth of God, we, we potentially could see more and more divisions, and we might have to take stands, and we might experience more persecution. He goes on to tell the disciples here. He says in verse 2 and 3 of, of chapter 16, he says, look, they're going to put you out of the synagogues. They're going to kick you out. Remember, you're, you're Jewish, and, and they're going to reject you. And he says, indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. These men experienced extreme persecution. Ten of the eleven, it's believed, died a martyr's death. Hatred, persecution is going to come at the hand of those who think they are following and serving God. 
Think about Saul. Saul, who ended up becoming Paul, he went around murdering Christians because he thought he was doing the right thing. And there are going to be people, and we see this in today. Classic would be when we think of ISIS. But you know what? It's not just there. It has the potential to be all over. It has the potential to happen within Christian churches. If we let go of the truth of God, if we let go of the truth of the gospel, this can happen there too. So what do we do? What does Jesus say? How do you respond to, to this type of persecution? Well, he tells the disciples in verse 26 and 27, he says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness about me because you've been with me since the beginning. Jesus says, look, when I ascend into heaven after my resurrection from the dead, I'm going to send you the spirit and he is going to dwell in you. And this spirit is going to continue to testify to the world the truth that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, we're going to unpack that even more because in chapter 16, a little later on, he explains more the spirit of truth, the helper. He says, look, it's not just the spirit who's going to bear witness to this world. It's going to be you. You see, the spirit's going to help you to the calling that you have to bear witness about me. Jesus is saying, when you experience opposition from this world, I want you to remember that you're an ambassador on a rescue mission for the king. And I want you to continue to be a light to the world. And I want you to engage this world with grace and truth. I want you to hold my truth and my love together. I want you to give a gospel response. I love J.D. Greer says in his post, As a church, we should not be known only for our unflinching commitment to the truth, but for also our excessive love toward our neighbors. We must not only speak the truth of Christ, but we must do so with the spirit of Christ. That's a gospel witness. Amen? Amen. See, we bear witness to Jesus and his glorious gospel, not just when we stand for truth, but when we bless those who persecute us. When our enemy is hungry, we give them something to eat. When our enemy is thirsty, we give them something to drink. There's just recently in the news, Chick-fil-A has... It's notorious for being a, a, a lightning rod <laughs> for, for attacks. And, and they, they came out and said, look, we believe that marriage is between a husband and a wife. This is the way God has designed it. Well, and, and I don't know all the details, so I have to be very careful here. But I am not un, I'm not aware that they said anything derogatory apart from that. It was just a stand that they took. That's my, my understanding of it. So if I was wrong, please forgive me. But they've been attacked for that stance. When the Orlando shooting took place, they opened up on a Sunday, a day that they don't normally open up, and they gave free food to those who were in line, donating blood for victims who had been hurt in the shooting. They took a stance for truth and extended the love of Christ to everyone. That's bearing witness when the world hates us. You see, when we're criticized and insulted, we don't retaliate with harsh criticism and insults. We don't go on a, on a Facebook rant trying to, to let everybody know how wrong they are. And when we're, we're told by the world to compromise the truth, we're just humbly going to stand for the truth. But man, that's so hard, isn't it? It is so hard 
When people treat you wrongly, that's not the way we want to respond. Well, that's exactly why it's a gospel response. Because on our own, we can't. I mean, on my own, I want to get self-righteous. I, I, I want to pull the card and be like, I can't believe you. Those judgmental statements. You're so intolerant. You talk about tolerance, but you're really intolerant. Man, I want to attack. You know, and, and unfortunately, sometimes when we respond in self-righteousness, what actually becomes offensive is not the gospel. It's, our, it's us. Like, we're a bunch of obnoxious jerks when we get self-righteous. And it's no wonder you're hated. And if you're hated for that reason, well, good for you. You should be. No, you shouldn't be hated, but, but, it's, but you shouldn't. We need to stand for Christ. Let us be hated for Jesus, not because we're obnoxious jerks. Amen. Okay. So, <laughs> I think a second temptation can be when, when we're hated by the world is, is fear and withdrawal. I've been tempted. Not even tempted. I've given into this. I've given into this. Where I isolate myself and I pull away from the world to protect myself. I, I like to put myself in a little bubble. And so it's, it's just the people that are just like me who aren't going to be mean to me. They're going to agree with what I believe. And really, this is just another way of being self-righteous. It's, oh, I don't want to be polluted. And, and we're thinking about ourselves and protecting ourselves rather than engaging those who are hurting and dying. Rather than being a witness for Christ through the power of the Spirit the way God calls us to. So we can't do that. Now, here's, here's the, the third way that I think that a lot of us can be tempted. And if you're not familiar, this is what's called a meme. It's a picture with, with a little pithy truth. I think this is one of the things that we can be really tempted. It says, this, things Jesus never said. So if, if you're not with me, just make sure you understand. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. Until I modernized to get with the times, changed all my teachings so that it'd be easier to follow, then everyone pretty much liked me again. No, Jesus didn't say that. But we're really tempted to do just that. We're really tempted to think, wow, man, maybe we just got to get with the times. And maybe if I soften this truth, don't make a big deal out of it, then, then I won't be hated. Or, or maybe I, I need to I'll just keep my head down low and just keep flying through and so it's no biggie, right? We can't do that. As Christians who have the Spirit of God who continues to strengthen our hearts by reminding us who Jesus is, all Jesus has done, who we are in Christ, we have to abide in Jesus and abide in his love so that we continue moment by moment, day by day, in the face of whatever comes our way to trust Jesus as Savior from all our sin, to acknowledge him as Lord of our lives, Trusting in his power to follow him, even when we're being wronged for our faith in him. Even when the world is rejecting the truth of God and us. Look, you see, God doesn't give us the helper just to endure. He gives us the helper so that we can be a light in the darkness to bear witness about Jesus. But even with that helper, it's not easy. It's not easy. And I love how Jesus cares for his disciples and he cares for us today he says look hang in there and hold on hang in there and hold on i've given you a helper so that you can keep bearing witness look at verse one and four of chapter 16 he says i've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away and then he says 
I've said these things to you that when the hour, their hour comes, you may remember that I told you them to you. You see, Jesus is saying, look, I don't want you to be surprised. I'm being really honest about the cost of discipleship. And when this happens, I don't want you to be like, whoa, I didn't expect that to come. And Jesus says, and I want you to know, not only so you're not just taken by surprise, I want you to be prepared so that you're going to be tempted to say, man, do I really want to keep following you for all of this? It's a temptation to throw in the towel in the face of such opposition. When the going gets tough, when you are a witness for Jesus with grace, love, and truth, you will be hated. Are you going to throw in the towel? The disciples knew their mission to know Jesus and to make him known. Their mission was to be a gospel witness to each other and to all those who hated Jesus. And they went in with eyes wide open. They knew all the persecution that they were going to face. And, and Jesus was absolutely right. Crazy how Jesus gets it right all the time. In Acts, man, they're, they're told, you stop sharing the truth of Jesus. And they just can't. They're beaten and they're put in jail. And they just continue to shine and show the light of Jesus. They don't compromise the truth. In the, at the right times, they share the truth very clearly. At other times, they just sing praises to God. They rejoiced that they were worthy of this kind of persecution to follow in the footsteps of their Savior. Look, we may or may not face the kind of persecution that these disciples faced. But if we walk by the Spirit, there will be opposition. This morning, I do want to ask you, if, if there's no opposition in your life, you might want to ask why. Uh, maybe it is just a sweet season. Praise God. But it is possible that maybe your life and your living doesn't look much different than the world around you. And that's why the world accepts you. And if so, you need to ask God to help you shine as a light and to see that he's worth living for. Maybe, maybe you've withdrawn from the world and you put yourself in that little protective bubble so that there's no ruffling of the feathers there. Maybe God's calling you to say, I, I've got to step out. Jesus, you've called me to show this world who you really are. But there is a potential that there might come a time where we do face significant opposition for our faith. And let me ask you, is Jesus going to be worth it? You see, Jesus loved the world enough to tell the world the truth and to lay down his life for them. And today, Jesus is calling us to take up our cross and follow him and to love the world around us so that we're willing to sacrifice comfort and acceptance by lovingly and humbly bringing the truth of God to those around us as we live life following our Savior. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.